Hey, what's up, everybody? You're listening to the Enterprise Architecture Radio. If you're thinking about organizational complexity and agility, if you're concerned about operational efficiencies and thinking of taking it to the next level, if managing innovation is one of your priorities, you've come to the right place. On this podcast, we talk about all of that and more. It's a jungle out there, and we'll attempt to navigate this jungle of frameworks, methods, and most importantly, enterprise architecture in practice. A very happy new year to all my listeners. I hope you had restful, peaceful holidays, and I hope that you're geared up for the new year ahead of us. We are a enterprise architecture podcast, and this is the first podcast of the year. So it only makes sense that we talk about technical trends. Let's start with the big obvious item, future of work. Many organizations around the world are changing the the way that they were working before. For a long period of time, it was working from home for everyone, or at least everyone that could work from home. Of course, there were some frontline workers who had to be there where they had to be. But now things are changing and there is a new hybrid model in place. It is expected that the employees start to come back to work at least two or three days in a week. Every organization has implemented a different version of the hybrid work environment, but that's not what I'm going to be talking about. There are a number of other changes that this entire 2020 pandemic and the new hybrid work environment and the work from home environment and all of this has brought in. And I'll talk about a few of those changes. The first change that I can think of is quiet quitting and quiet hiring. We've all heard about quiet quitting. It was a topic that was making the rounds on social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, etc. For those who haven't heard quiet quitting, what it really means is when someone loses the motivation or inspiration and only does the absolute basic minimum that he needs to do to survive at his job. They never try to go above and beyond and do an excellent job that they could have if they would have been motivated. And this has happened because of the new pandemic situation where people are working from home. They, they're not collaborating enough. They're not meeting with their colleagues. They're not engaged properly. The new concept that has come along is quiet hiring. What this means is that people who are not quiet quitting, people who are going above and beyond um, and performing better are given more money, uh, more time, more attention, more promotions, more growth, etc., etc., When you look at it first, it might appear to you that quiet hiring is the answer to quiet quitting, which means that if an employee is performing better than an average employee, then he should be given better bonuses, better results. And under normal circumstances, that might this might be true. But this quiet quitting is as big a pandemic as COVID itself. Because of the new work environments that we saw in 2020 and 2021, and even this year in 2022, people have lost the motivation to work because they have they are working in isolation, they are not meeting with their uh, colleagues, they are not collaborating, they are not having proper discussions. So the leaders of the organization have a responsibility to improve the engagement between the colleagues. Does that mean that they should bring everybody back into office? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is there is a real long-term effort required by the leaders to improve the engagement between the employees. And 
and doing quiet hiring, which is essentially uh, promoting and giving bigger hikes and, and bonuses to people who are going above and beyond is not sufficient. What this will do is people who have done the quiet quitting, people who have lost the motivation, it will demotivate and demoralize them even further, ultimately creating an environment where there is not sufficient team effort. But from a future of work perspective, not everything was bad about this pandemic. The pandemic forced us to work on our collaboration technologies, whether it's Microsoft Teams or, or Zoom or or whatever it might be. And people have also started imagining things such as augmented reality and, and, and the metaverse to improve uh, the remote working situation. And this might actually have proven to be an opportunity more than a challenge. Now, there are some new and interesting changes we might have seen in the last couple of years, which I would like to talk about a little bit because of this new remote working, hybrid working situation that we are in. There are many employees who suddenly discovered that there's a lot that they can do when they're working from home especially because nobody was monitoring them and people started moonlighting, picking up uh, other activities that would earn them some financial income on the side. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing and I'm not saying it's a good thing either. I'm just saying it's a change. People have started finding alternative sources of income, the extra time that they saved because of the uh, sudden disappearance of travel to work and travel back home. Now, if you really ask me, it takes me at least one hour to drive to work and then one, one and a half hours, depending upon what time I'm leaving, to drive back home. That's two and a half to three hours of travel time saved if I'm working from home. Three, four hours of travel time every single day if you are able to save. That's quite a lot of time in your hands. And people started getting creative about what to do with that time. And, and that has created a new change in people. There are cases where people have started doing two jobs, getting two salaries, and that is, I personally feel, not not very ethical. But if you look at another statistical um, reality, especially in India, that uh, the number of broker accounts that have opened up in the last two years is tremendous. People have started investing, people have started trading, uh, even in uh, advanced trading concepts like options and futures and what have you. I'm not sure whether it is an income because I'm not sure everybody, whether everybody is successful in what it is that they are doing, but it's definitely another source of income that people have come up with. On the other hand, organizations have also started looking at non-traditional candidates. What that means is uh, previously they used to hire candidates that had the credentials and the relevant experience that they needed. Now, the situation has changed and people are looking at whether a person would be capable of delivering a certain task uh, for which he's being hired. Uh, so uh, organizations are giving less importance to traditional educational qualifications and relevant experience that they, they used to before. They're giving more importance to their current capability of being able to deliver a certain task, which also means that they might hire people on a temporary basis, on a project-to-project -project basis. And and on the other hand, non-traditional candidates have also started preferring these kind of roles. So a number of other changes have also come in. Um, there is trauma and mental health issues that people are seeing in the last two years quite a bit because of the social isolation, especially the younger generation that 
just you know passed out of colleges and and were recruited during the pandemic in a remote working situation well some of the young candidates have actually uh, not even gone to college in the last 2 years um they've done their entire sort of uh, entire most part of their education remotely and many of them complain that they are not prepared uh, for a work environment they even joined jobs uh, remotely got their laptops at home on what have you and 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 because of the socialization they're not being able to collaborate they're not being able to do teamwork and and that's a real issue other than that there have been other mental health and trauma issues that that employees of existing organizations have faced and this is another trend that i think organizations will see which is creating an environment where employees get proactive rest they are able to uh, plan their leaves ahead of time before there is a mental breakdown um like meeting free fridays or um or pre-planned holidays um, and so on i think the one-on-one meetings that leaders have with their employees is going to increase um and of course every organization will have to have a a a trauma counseling kind of an environment a phone number where they can call in case if they feel sad or depressed or what have you also diversity equity and inclusion that's another thing that's slowly changing i was reading a gartner article that says that about 46% of the employees think that the diversity and inclusion strategies that organizations employ are not fair and are not justified they're not very happy there is some resistance against diversity and inclusion is it a good thing is it a bad thing i'm not going to take sides here although i do feel that diversity and inclusion is a very good best practice as long as it is a best practice i have seen leaders that have taken this too far and made it a objective and made it a target and in, and when you start putting targets that okay 50% of our let's say leadership team has to be diversity candidates in such situations yes employees who do not fall into the diversity category may feel that the promotions that are happening are not fair enough or are not justified or what have you and i am a strong believer of meritocracy and i am a strong believer of equal opportunities so i believe that diversity equity and inclusion should be a best practice it should be a culture that is imbibed into every leader but it is not necessarily a metric that's all about future of work there are a couple of other uh, trends that i think that businesses are going to see that the current situation especially the pandemic situation has enforced upon it one of one of them for example is supply chain whether it is procurement manufacturing distribution inventory or especially the last mile delivery um things have changed quite a lot in the last 2 years last mile delivery specifically because of the pandemic situation people have started ordering stuff at home they don't go out to shop that much and and that has put a tremendous amount of pressure on the last mile delivery and organizations that were into this kind of business whether it's amazon or whether it's food delivery organizations or what have you uh, they've become very very innovative about how they're going to be changing and innovating around the last mile delivery so that's something that has changed tremendously and is going to continue to change for businesses where it is relevant another thing that's a strong trend that i believe that we are going to see is cyber security and i sh- probably should have put this up there uh, because this is also a very important one um why cyber security well 
Internet of Things to begin with, right? We've, we are seeing more and more sensors. We are seeing more and more edge devices that are getting smarter and that are generating tremendous amounts of data. Number of internet connected devices I have been predicting is going to run into trillions very soon. And if you look at some of the videos that I have, I've had a talk with the Open Group uh, a couple of years ago, and it should be available on the YouTube. I've talked about this. And it is, and all my predictions so far have sort of come true. And the number of internet-connected devices, whether it's sensors, whether it's smartphones, mobile devices, what have you, is continue to is going to continue to increase in numbers, which will put tremendous amount of pressure on how we are securing these things, how we are managing all this data. And the work from home situation that we have these days is also going to put a tremendous amount of pressure on cybersecurity, considering we've got personal devices that are going to connect to our networks and, and it's, you know, it's difficult to keep track of how we are going to be managing those personal devices, what other native applications are going to be installed on those devices, uh, phishing, spoofing, all this becomes much easier for hackers when they're dealing with personal devices. Also work from home situations, there's a large younger generation of populace that has joined organizations during the pandemic, always working remotely. And the, the contact and the communication that we have with our colleagues has drastically reduced. So we don't really recognize the people that we are working with, which means if somebody approaches us saying they are a colleague, you know, it's easier for us to be fooled where or it is more difficult for us to really authenticate whether that person who we are talking to um, is really our colleague or not, and it, that, that opens up opportunities for hackers. Machine learning algorithms have started playing a very, very important role when it comes to cybersecurity. So we've got machine learning al algorithms that can examine vast amounts of data that is moving across our networks, and, and, and that too in real time, and they're far more effective uh, than human beings ever could be. Um, and they can learn to recognize patterns that indicate any kind of cybersecurity threat, right? So earlier we used to have human hackers and there were human cybersecurity experts who were basically combating with each other. And then uh, now human hackers are combating against AI, which basically changes the trend a little bit. But then again, Hackers are also getting intelligent and have started using artificial intelligence and machine learning algorithms to hack into systems. So, so really, it's now AI versus AI. That's going to be a trend that we are going to be seeing now. Is it a good thing, bad thing? I'm not here to talk about that. But it's something that is eventually inevitable. Is it going to happen this year in 2023? Or is it going to happen the next year? We don't know that, but it's definitely coming. So if you really think about it, cybersecurity is not really the job of a security team within your organization anymore, right? It's not just the CSO who is responsible for cybersecurity anymore. Cybersecurity has become everybody's job because everybody's now interacting with Internet of Things. Everybody's now interacting with our official networks using personal devices, and everybody needs to be more careful as to how they are managing their data and how how they are how they are protecting themselves from cybersecurity threats. Another important uh, trend that I see coming is data. There's a tremendous amount of data that is being generated by every single person around the world who's connected to the internet today. There's an organization called Statista that reports that every person creates 97 zettabytes of data by the end of the calendar year, within one year. And what zettabytes means is 
when I say 97 zeta bytes, I would put I would take 97 and it put 21 zeros behind that 97. That's how much data is being generated by every single person within a year. Think about the amounts of data that is being generated on a year-on-year -year basis. It is an incredible opportunity to capture, analyze, and apply. Apply this data for better business results. So if you're into retail, for example, you could take all of this data that is available to you on the internet and, and, and use it for your own business results. Metaverse or virtual reality is going to continue to remain a hype. If you've heard my previous podcasts, I've talked about it. I do not think that it still has any real uh, business use case that can justify the cost except video games um, because there are a group of people who would pay large amounts of uh, money to get that augmented experience. But other than that, if you really look at business case at an enterprise standpoint, I don't think Metaverse is going to be big. Not this year at least. Maybe in a couple of years we might find some interesting use cases. But at this point in time, it still remains a hype. Artificial intelligence. Chat GPT is in. I'm using it more and more. I'm asking it questions uh, more and more. It answers my philosophical questions. It answers my technical questions. It helps me more and more in my job. So that's very interesting. It has incredible business uses. Um, just as a test, I asked ChatGPT to uh, write the source code in Python for me to build a, a balanced binary tree. And this was one of the tests that I gave a really long time back when I was studying my advanced computing. And it took less than 15 seconds for ChatGPT to not only write the code, but also to explain to me how it's written the code and what each part of the code is. So... And that is just a very, very small example. You can ask it questions about how you can implement AI operations to improve your incident management responses and turnaround times and so on, and it'll give you a right answer. You can ask it about tools, you can ask it about technologies, you can ask it about, in fact, there are people who are using ChatGPT to talk to someone about mental health. Uh, people are talking to ChatGPT when they're depressed. Can you believe it? AI ops, by the way, is going to be, uh, I think it's, on the verge of a breakthrough. So more and more organizations are going to start implementing AI ops. AI for procurement, artificial intelligence algorithms that will tell you when it's the right time to buy raw materials. Artificial intelligence for cost control, how can you reduce costs? How artificial intelligence for faster return of investments. Uh, looking at your current footprint and landscape and being able to tell you how you can improve your return of investments. Artificial intelligence for security, like I already talked about, right? Um, uh, machine learning models that can uh, monitor your network traffic and, and, and identify patterns of cybersecurity threat. All these things are going to play a very important role and we are going to, we are, and I think we are going to see some trends um, in these areas. Next interesting topic that I think we'll see some, and I, don't know if we'll really see something happening in this area, but I would love to see something happen in this area. And this is multi-cloud. Today, we see there are three or four major players when it comes to cloud. There's obviously AWS, and then there's Microsoft Azure, and then there's Google Cloud, and then, of course, there's the Oracle Cloud infrastructure. And then there are some other players like AliCloud and so on. Most businesses are on AWS Azure and, and Google Cloud, and majority of them are already on multi-cloud. But the multi-cloud that 
exists today is uh, fragmented and broken, right? We've got some applications on Azure, some other applications on AWS, or some organizations are using one cloud vendor or one cloud provider for infrastructure as a service and another cloud provider for platform as a service and so on and so forth. A true multi-cloud environment would be when the cloud vendor is transparent to me. Um, if I want to host an application on the cloud, I would try to see what are the services that I require. And most of the cloud services are available on all cloud providers. So if you um, if you need a database, you can you could get a database on Azure, you can get a database on AWS as well. So it shouldn't really matter whether uh, I am hosting my database on AWS or Azure. For one application, I could host it on AWS. On the For the other application, I could host it on Azure, depending upon what's the deal that the vendor is giving me. But that's just the beginning. I could have my production environment on AWS and, and QA and dev environment on Azure or the other way around. I could have my application server on AWS and my database server on Azure and so on and so forth. So there are so many different scenarios and use cases that I could have. And what I really need at this point in time is a framework that allows me to make my cloud vendors completely transparent. I should be able to pick and choose services between multi-clouds and host my applications, host my data loads wherever it's suitable for me. That is a true multi-cloud framework that I would like to see come up in the year 2023. Now, I've been doing some research. There are a few patterns and frameworks that I have uh, seen, but they're not there yet. Of course, there is other frameworks which are not really specifically um, for multi-cloud environments that I am talking about, but they are also uh, advancements in the areas of hyperscalers and um, and, and, and other areas, like you've got sovereign clouds, which essentially is um, around where the data is going to be stored. So European Union is working on, or European countries are working on building sovereign clouds that will essentially control where the data resides. There are local zone clouds, which are essentially around edge computing. So if you see that you, if, if your application is a low latency application that requires quicker responses under single digit uh, millisecond responses, then you would have to go with local zone clouds, which is a service that is available with AWS and um, other cloud providers as well. And then, of course, there are zero carbon clouds, which are around using renewable energy uh, to power uh, the cloud infrastructure and a couple of other things like trying to prolong the life of the um, the physical hardware that is being used to 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 build the public clouds and so on and so forth. So there are a few other frameworks that we will also see as trends coming up in 2023. And finally, last but not the least, data analytics. Now, I see data analytics being split into, you know, three different fields and each one is we are going to see develop at a tremendous rate in the next couple of years, if not in 2023. One is predictive analytics, looking at uh, data analytics and being able to predict where it's going. Second is data visualization. So we're going to see more augmented visualizations, especially with the metaverse coming in. The um, Although I do uh, still feel that, that the devices required for augmented reality and virtual reality are a bit too expensive and I don't know if it makes sense, but definitely we are going to see more augmented uh, data visualizations as, as we move into 
2023 and probably next year 2024 and we are going to see developments in the areas of real time data mining uh, which is also a very interesting field we should look at so very very interesting times um, of course i've taken a lot of time today uh, my podcast has been especially long and it's not specifically around enterprise architecture today but um, it's about tech trends and this is the first podcast of the year so you know i didn't want to really leave out anything that i feel strongly about so i tried to cover as much as possible well uh, exciting times ahead i hope you have as much fun as i am going to have looking at these technologies develop and grow and and i find it very very interesting i hope you have a beautiful 2023 and have fun that's all i have for you today folks i hope you enjoyed the show more about organizational agility innovation and enterprise architecture in the practical world in the business right here on the show but before i end the show i want you to help me out with this one little thing pause the show and share this podcast via whatsapp or text message with at least one person who might be interested in the show it could be anyone your colleague your boss someone in your team that's all i ask just one share with one message via text or whatsapp or any social media of your choice and it would go a long way in supporting this podcast and growing its listener base also please don't forget to follow the podcast that way you will get notified when we publish a new episode if you want to find out more about us you can find us at enterprisearchitectureradio.com if you have any ideas thoughts disagreements please feel free to write to me directly we also have a telegram group if you would like to contribute to ea discussions or what have you just search for enterprise architecture radio on telegram or the url to join the group is https://t.me/enterprisearchitectureradio while our contact details are there in the show notes we are very easy to find just search for enterprise architecture radio anywhere twitter linkedin facebook instagram youtube even discord Although I just got started with Discord and don't know how to use it very well, but nevertheless, once again, I hope you had fun, and I'll see you in the next one.